Thanks to Abbott for supporting this episode of the podcast. There's nothing more breathtaking than running the streets of Manhattan and finishing off a 5K at the most iconic finish line in the world. Run the Abbott Dash to the Finish Line 5K on Saturday, November 6th with NYC cheering you on. Registration is open for anyone, and this race is a 9 plus 1 qualifier. Not able to make it in person for the Abbott Dash to the Finish Line 5K? No problem. You can still join the 50 Years Running Celebration wherever you are in the virtual Abbott Dash to the Finish Line 5K powered by Strava happening right now through November 7th. Visit nyrr.org and sign up today. Welcome to Episode 7 of Habitual Routine. I'm Coach Anique Lamar. And I'm Coach Roberto Manje. As we've done all season, we'll be focusing on telling stories of runners who will be joining us for the 2021 TCS New York City Marathon. Today, we chat with two runners, Sarah Kate Gillingham and David Kane. On Valentine's Day in 2017, Sarah Kate became a living donor when she gave 60% of her liver to her friend David. Because of this donation, David, a lifelong athlete, runner, and triathlete, was able to regain his life after a form of cancer had sidelined him and prompted an immediate need for a liver transplant. Nearly four years after the successful surgery, they'll be running the TCS New York City Marathon together. Prior to her surgery, Sarah Kate was always a more casual runner, but she decided to take on this marathon alongside David. She hopes that sharing her story will encourage others to consider being a living donor. We talked to Sarah, Kate, and David about the journey of giving and receiving a transplant, the feelings and concepts of gratitude on both sides, and why running the TCS New York City Marathon will be an incredible experience for both of them. All right, now let's hear from Sarah, Kate, and David. Hi, Sarah, Kate, and Dave. Thanks so much for joining us today. Such an honor to be here. Thanks. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, we're so we're so thrilled to talk to both of you. I think you're our first uh, a duo of this season. So um, so thanks so much for both being here. Um, but Dave, let's start with you. Can you give us a little bit of the backstory of your running journey and also the story uh, that led up for you needing a liver transplant? Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I'm a, kind of a lifelong athlete, um, runner. I, I ran track as a kid growing up through college, um, but never long distances. Um, I've, I've kind of, my journey has been one of, of ever longer running distances. So I was a 400 meter runner, um, a 400 hurdler in the track um, in my younger days, um, have been a triathlete uh, as an adult, so sort of moved up to the sort of 10k distance but never sort of tempted to do a a longer triathlon um um but uh, this opportunity i i was a i've been a lifelong supporter i grew up in the boston area my my uncles run 50 marathons 30 boston so i supported him growing up and i loved um you know cheering from mile 11 in boston and so um have always thought god that would be great to do someday and um, and now we have a wonderful uh, reason to do that together. So um, that's how I came to uh, to marathoning. Um, never done one before. This is that's the I think the special thing about our uh, about this is that it's it's a first for Sarah and uh, for Pete and myself. Um, and I, I love that you are a 400 meter hurdler. As a previous 400 meter hurdler, I know exactly how uh, how the 26. 26- to, you know, you, you, you're used to pain as a 400 meter hurdler, but maybe not marathon, uh, marathon pain. So I, I think that's a wonderful origin story. Yes. Um, and, and then how, you know, how did you find yourself in the position of needing a liver transplant? 
Yeah, so um, I was, um, as a young, uh, in my 20s, diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disorder. And I had, uh, when when you have ulcerative colitis, you you are at higher risk for other autoimmune diseases. Um, I ended up with another autoimmune disease of the liver. Um, And typically with this, uh, it's called primary sclerosing cholangitis, not to get too deep into the weeds on this, but... Um, the typical um, path from diagnosis of what they call PSC to needing a transplant, that's really the only cure, is about five years. Um, but I, my liver just sort of chugged along for much longer than that um, and without sort of needing uh, uh, acutely a transplant. But as you kind of go on, I had, a, I had this for 10 or 12 years, 13 years, and the more years you go on with this with your own liver, the higher um, risk you, you uh, are at for a, a particular kind of cancer called cholangiocarcinoma. And they were um, giving me periodic scans to look for, for a tumor. Um, I had a clean scan in July of 2016, but then kind of some funky um, blood work in December of that year. Um, they did another scan and sure enough, they found a, a tumor. And, um, and so that um, precipitated kind of a very near-term need uh, for a new liver. That was really the only uh, cure for that cancer. So, Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Dave. And um, sure. turning over to you, Sarah Kate, what was your process like in deciding to ultimately donate 60% of your liver? Um, it's, a, it's one of those, do you want the... The short, the medium, the long, the longer, the longest. <laughs> um, uh, it's so exciting to be here to talk about it. It's why I'm running the marathon is to bring awareness and um, kind of shine a light on this process. So I actually had been a little fascinated with uh, organ donation years and years prior. Just I thought it was such an interesting way of um, giving to somebody. It's so intimate and so... Um, it's so the intimacy of it, the risk that is involved in the intimacy of it really, I don't know, somehow makes it this, this really deep experience. And I was, it was something I really craved. And, um, but obviously actually you can, you can sort of list yourself as a donor, but I, I didn't even know that at the time. Um, and I just thought, well, I'm just really enamored and, and interested in people who've done this and have that story. And I would read stories about it. And then a friend of mine, um, actually, she was my sort of professional mentor, needed a liver. Um, she did not have PSC. She had a, um, a different um, ailment of the liver. And I said, I, I'd be happy to get tested for you. And she said, absolutely not. She's a really... Um, she was a really outspoken kind of in your face type of person. And she said, absolutely not. Uh, you have a child. If your child ever needed your liver and I had taken it, you know, that would just be the end of me. And and I was like, that's interesting. Like that doesn't even occur to me at all. And, and she ended up getting a liver, um, at Columbia Presbyterian in, um, I think November of 2016. And I was really supportive of her, brought her food, you know, I heard about the whole thing. And then it wasn't long after that, that I saw this, uh, social media post, not from Dave, not from his wife, Stacy, but from actually two friends of his, who I also knew. So Dave and I are connected through, um, we both went to the same college and I ended up, um, marrying the brother of a good friend of his from college. So we were 
connected, but I wouldn't say we were, you know, best buddies. But enough that something like Facebook came came in, in front of me. And it was just, there's this great need if you have a positive blood and are willing to get tested, you know, please, I don't know, Dave, it was like, call this number. or I don't even remember what it was. Um, not being a big Facebook person and again, the intimacy of it, I just texted Dave's wife, Stacy, and I said, hey, I saw the post, totally get why you didn't post it yourself, <laughs> but like, I'd really like to help. And so I just went to Quest in Williamsburg. You can just go and get tested. I already knew I had A positive blood. Um, and it just happened super fast. It is not an easy process to go through. I'll, I'll, I speak really honestly and lovingly about this process, but honestly is important. It's a lot of testing. Uh, the blood work is nothing. You end up going through this whole, um, it's like a boot camp of organ donation. And each test you pass, you kind of get, again, it gets more and more serious um, to the point where I was meeting with a psychiatrist. My partner was meeting with a psychiatrist and a social worker. Every meeting you have, they ask you, have you been offered money for this? There's all kinds of legalities around organ donation that um, I wasn't aware of that are all really good. Uh, it's great that those are in place. But it the process happened so fast, Dave, it was like two months, right? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, and there was, a, it was that much more urgency because my wife had wanted to be my donor yes. and, and in the end um, was disqualified for a sort of a, an anatomical reason. And so we, she spent a month going through this process that process. Sarah Kate is describing of kind of critical time. And so when we discovered that uh, Stacy couldn't be my donor, then the sort of the race was on. And that was sort of the urgency around sort of the SOS post on Facebook and mm -hmm. Sarah and also Kate's the tumor had response. was growing much faster, right, than they expected. Wasn't there? A, I think there was an urgency around dates were being moved and things like that. Anyway, yeah. Um, in terms of deciding, it was almost like it was already in me. I, it's very hard to describe. It wasn't like I had to sit down and make a decision. Um, I wanted to talk to my daughter about it, but she was only eleven at the time. So it, the way I talked to her about it was um, not asking her permission, but just letting her know, you know, what I knew we would be going through. Um, not unlike the marathon, um, deciding to do something like this is what I like to say is a, it's a couple's decision <laughs> because um, if you have a partner and they are not doing the same thing you're doing, um, they will be incredibly impacted by it. And in the case of the surgery, my partner, Pete, um, was my caretaker. And so it, it was, I had to, you know, have his blessing as well because it really involved like hands-on work for weeks from him. Um, but I was the match and someone that I knew, even if it was someone I didn't know, but someone I knew was in grave health. And so it, it, I didn't, I didn't even, it wasn't really about should I do it or should I not? It was just, what's it going to take to get there? Because this has to happen to save this person's life. Yeah. I mean, the, 
there's all, there's so many race metaphors that we've just thrown around here too, right? Like I said, the race of urgency, um, the, you know, the process of donation is almost a marathon in and of itself. Um, I just think that there's so many, um, you know, sort of metaphors for this crossover we're talking about today and what we're going to be doing in November in racing the New York City Marathon. Um, I'd love to know how this process has deepened your connection between the two of you, right? We're talking about all these sort of kismet of, uh, you know, connections to, I did not follow who you married and how they were related to Dave or, but I, I knew that it was a, a connection and this college connection, but I would love to know um, how it has changed your relationship and what you two have, have gotten out of it. You want me to go first, Dave? <laughs> sure. I, like I said before, Dave and I were not best buddies before this. Um, it's, and I have since met people who've done this, who've done it for strangers. So um, there is an even bigger extreme to this. There's also uh, something called a donation chain where you can donate to someone and they did, you know. So that's, that is, that is a, that's like a truly amazing thing that people do. Um, but I would say it has made me uh, aware of a dynamic that I didn't expect, which was, that the gift that it has given to me, so like the gift that Dave has given to me and actually his whole family and especially his wife who really, really wanted to do this. And I totally understand why she wanted to do it. Um, the, the gift of allowing me to literally enter their, their world, their, their body, their, their vitality, um, and allow me to have like my own experience of it as well, but to allow someone to um, give in that way is something, the notion of giving had always been more one-sided, like one person gives to the other. That, that was just sort of the dynamic that I always thought of with giving, like a gift or, you know, even affection. But the act of giving has been so fulfilling for me that my, my gratitude toward Dave is often the way people like to characterize what his gratitude must be toward me is actually, I see it the other way around. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, the, it's the obvious thing. Like I gave him a gift. I gave him my organ. I saved his life, but that is when you dig deeper into it, there, there's this reverse gift. And so it's almost, you can hear me kind of struggling to find the words of the gratitude that I have toward him um and the connection that i feel toward him um is yeah just and that, that just that just blows my mind <laughs> that she she's grateful to me i mean my daughter was four when i got sick and you know that was a that was a dark um few months you know after i was diagnosed in early december um and you know she, She's my only, my only girl. And I just, I was just, um, you know, I just, I just thought, you know, I was not going to get to see her grow up. Um, you know, you just, you, you go into dark places and, uh, it wasn't clear, you know, I was, I was afraid how quickly the, the, the tumor was spreading and all of this. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the fact that, 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 that S, I call, I call you, I call you SK, um, <laughs> that Sarah Kate, um, uh, did this for me, took this risk, um, so that I could, you know, 
live to see another day, another have another minute with my girl. I mean, every, you know, literally when you kind of boil it down, like every minute is is precious. And, you know, it's it's been almost five years now, um, you know, the sort of the intensity of that feeling of, oh, my God, I have another day, uh, you know, kind of fades a little bit. But, you know, we are we are intimately connected. I, I call her liver the best part of me. <laughs> I I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of her and the person she is. And I'm so proud that I have a piece of her in me. Um, and I call her my liver sib and, um, my, me and my family will, will love her and forever. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I just, it's such a beautiful story. I mean, I, as a, as a parent of a four-year-old um mm. i can't help but like you know internalize what you're both saying I, and i can't imagine being in, in your shoes dave and then sarah kate or sk i guess i could call you now um <laughs> yeah just such a beautiful story and as anik mentioned earlier you know there's a lot of metaphors here with with running and the marathon and obviously you're both are going to be running the marathon um this year so just if you could take us through collectively individually how this process motivated your running and then inspired the idea to run the marathon together <laughs> well, it was funny when Dave started out, I think the first thing you asked was his relationship to running or sports or something. And you said, yes. I've always been an athlete. So I'm the opposite. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was never an athlete. Um, I was a dancer, which is, has actually, that whole thing has gotten me thinking um, about why we don't call dancers athletes. Um, I was a very serious dancer my entire childhood. And I would say physically that probably required uh, stamina, energy, and training that athletes have. But for some reason, we don't, we don't use those labels. But I, whatever it is, it got me to where I am now in my 40s where um, I didn't think I was an athlete. And, um, but one thing I was, I moved to New York in 1997 after college. And I... I don't know how many I've missed, but I've definitely missed fewer than I've seen New York City marathons. I am just a like a wild marathon spectator, just like a pro. I can, <laughs> you know, I can tell you when to go out for the wheelchairs and then when to go get coffee and then when to come back. For, I, I just, I love it so much. I love the energy. I love um, the coming together. I mean, after 9-11, having lived through that and I lived in downtown when that happened, just all of the sort of roles of emotion the city has gone through and, and any city, Boston, I mean, of course, so many other cities in their marathons, but um, it was, but it still was like, a, I'm on this side and then the runners are there and I was running. I was probably the furthest I'd ever run is six miles. Um, but I just thought there was always this narrative in my head of, well, that's, that's not me. And it was so inside in the middle of my head that I wasn't even aware that it was there, but it was a message that was constant. Um, and then when Dave came into my life, uh, not when he, when I first met him, but when he really came into my life, um, you know, one of the things was you're, you know, you're giving your liver to this. I don't know if you can tell Dave is very tall. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this is over six feet tall, you know, um, nationally ranked triathlete. And again, I thought like, is my, is my liver good enough for him? Is it, is it enough to, you know, filter all that blood he must have, you know, he's so much bigger than I am. Um, again, the connection is sort of the same. It's, um, it's this, like, why do we say that we can't do something? Despite the fact that I had watched so many marathons, there's so many different kinds of people 
running and, and pedaling and, you know, the, the whole beautiful community that comes together at the end, you know, at night. Um, I thought, I, why, why wouldn't I be able to do that sort of a thing? And so that's, um, the realizing the narrative of I can't, I'm the kind of person, if I realize I'm saying that, then I kind of want to. Um, but then the other big reason is we got this opportunity to run for the American Liver Foundation and to, to just have opportunities like this today to talk about uh, living organ donation. And I'm careful to say that because um, there is also living kidney donation um, and uh, bone marrow donation. So you can give other parts of your body while you're still alive um, with no damage to yourself. And so I really like to talk about the ability that our bodies have to do that as well. So a big reason to do this is this being given this platform to talk about the issue. And when I, and I also just want to say that it's not just about giving an organ, it's about taking a risk, doing something that feels edgy in order to help someone without the feeling of um, then I'm going to have less because the, the metaphor with the liver, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it grows back in 10 weeks. So yeah, for 10 weeks, I had less of a liver. <laughs> I now have every bit of liver that I need to survive. Um, and so does somebody else. So the giving, the giving is not taking away. And so same thing with the marathon. It's like, yeah, it's beating my body up and I'm tired, but I'm actually also stronger and I have amazing new friends because of it. My track team, um, in Brooklyn, Goldfinger track club, people have been so supportive. So whereas I'm, I'm giving out all this energy and kind of beating myself up and, um, getting like really tired. I'm, we're at our peak week right now. We're about to start tapering. So yeah, I'm, I am tired, but I'm also, I'm also filled up. So the, the running is motivated by the surgery. The surgery is motivated by that. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Um, it, it all kind of, it all kind of is woven together for me. They're almost the same thing in a way. Yeah, wonder. I mean, not sure if I could have said it any better, or or, or you, Dave. Um, is there anything you want want to add to that as far as your marathon process? Wow. And I will mention one thing: this is a podcast, so for our listeners at home, we don't know how tall Dave is because, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah we, his voice doesn't give a height, but yeah, <laughs> six three. But yeah, <laughs> um, I. Um, well, in case you you know you can't you can't tell um, you know from from Sarah talking you know she's just an incredible human being and she continues to she, I mean she, what she hasn't mentioned is that she continues to counsel people who are considering donating a, an organ a liver uh, she's counseled numerous people kind of over that hump and I I kind of you know to. So I, I I feel like this is like anything I can do to give Sarah Kate a, a bigger and better and louder platform for doing the work that she's doing. I'm just kind of playing a bit part in that. And, you know, it's the least I can do to get out there and, you know, as, as Sarah Kate says, beat my body up. Uh, you know, it, it does it does feel like a beating <laughs> these long runs. Um, but um, I, I'm just I'm so pleased to be able to, you know, support Sarah Kate's work. Um, and, you know, again, she just is, she, she's, she puts herself out there as an incredible face for, for 
um, the the beauty of uh, and and the gift, as she describes it, of of being a, a donor. And um, I just think that's just the kind of the ripple effect from you know the, the, the life that she gave me, and, and she's continuing to kind of you know carry that forward. So I'm I'm just so proud of her and the work she does, and just. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing. You know, one thing that really comes across and it'll lead me into my next question, Sarah, you kind of mentioned it with the donation, but also with the marathon processes. Is this symbiotic relationship that you seem to be having with both with your marathon training, the process, but then obviously with your donation and 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 Dave? And I think that's really something important because I, I, I think in myself included, you think about donating, whether it's donating money, you know, organ, liver, whatever. And it's just like, I'm giving out and, and that's it, just putting it out there. And then obviously with training, you think I'm going out, I'm doing a long run or I'm running with a club, but you're just putting out your energy and, and that's it. You're tired. And you know, you're speaking so much about that symbiotic relationship that you get back so much. And that's why you mentioned that you're so grateful for, for Dave, even though obviously he can't believe it <laughs> that the tables are turned that way. And then, you know, you have the support of your, of your running club and, and the marathon journey. So, um, I think, you know, and this way, actually, I'm asking the question, but this would help me as well. For people out there who are listening, who we all know what a donation is, but there's such a sometimes a stigma and fear about it. And you kind of touched upon it, um, Sarah Kate. If you could just give us some advice or what advice you would give to anybody considering a donation just to kind of help break down those those barriers and, and fears that many of us have. Um, so I'm making assumptions about what the fears are. Um there's a really good one of this is major surgery and I could die. Um, that's a good fear. Um, there as a healthy person in the equation, it's nothing compared to the sick person. Um, I just didn't even allow myself to go there because I was in the presence of someone who was having actually not the same surgery, a much more complicated surgery, Dave, um, and who was not well. Um, we, the doctors at Columbia Presbyterian, just one of the premier transplant um, wards, such a strange, whenever I hear ward, I think prison. <laughs> there are there are connections, um, but it is the most beautiful, amazing place. Uh, the care that we had there was amazing. Their track record is impeccable. I felt safe the whole time. Um, I think that people have, a, there's a real spectrum of how people how much trust people can put in others uh, to be taken care of. And I tend to have a pretty high sense of trust when I sniff it out. Um, and so I, I never had that fear. The, the big one that I like to address is it comes up a lot of, you can only do it once. Um, so, because when the liver grows back, it grows back. The lobe that is left just expands. You don't grow a second lobe that can then be taken out again. So that's the difference is I have a slightly different liver than most people. So similar to Dave's, which is like one big lobe instead of having that division down the middle. Um, I will admit, I didn't know where my liver was or what it looked like before this all started. Um, if, if you could do a little history of my Googling from the day one when I went to the Williamsburg Quest for my blood test to the day I had the surgery, I learned a lot. Anyway, um, is that what if someone, and these are questions they, they ask, the psychiatrist asks when you're being interviewed. What if someone you care more about needs a liver? 
I mean, they, they put it out in such an honest, brutal way. What if someone who's related to you needs it? What if your daughter has liver cancer? What? So one thing is I was 41 at the time. There is a cutoff and it's not far from where I am now. I'm 46. I think it might be 55. You have, you can't, you can't donate after a certain age. So I felt like my window of doing this was closing. And I also felt like the, and I am not a real woo woo religious person, but I really felt like if I put this out, if I do this, I have nothing to worry about. Call it karma, call it. <laughs> I just, I, I really feel like if I need something, this act has attracted such positive energy into my life. I'm pretty sure I'm taken care of. I don't mean by anything that someone might call God, or like I said, I'm, I'm actually not a religious person, but I really believe that, um, the generosity in, on the planet will come to me if I need it. And, and it's not as some sort of reward. It's just, I believe that that is how things work. And, um, I'm sure Dave has his own perspective on that because this came in the nick of time for him. But so that is something that I wasn't worried about. And I tell people that, um, but yeah, my advice is that for me, it's one of the best, aside from having a child, it's one of the best things I've ever done. And it gave me life and joy and purpose. So um, I say, I, I green light it to anyone who seems to have the, the right intentions. <laughs> um, well, Sarah Kidd, I love how you talk about this idea of like, you know, you, you're going to trust the universe to provide, right? Um, and, you know, you don't have to believe in a deity, but, you know, you can trust the universe to provide because because you two did this, right? Because you're proof of concept, you're proof of concept that people yeah. uh, can put calls out on social media and people will answer and that, uh, you know, we are um, connected to each other in ways um, that are, are deeply impactful. We are asking this to everyone who's joining us uh, on today on this season. Uh, what do you think is so special about the TCS New York City Marathon, and and why do you want to race in New York? Well, I'll, I can start. I, I yeah. you know, as I, I I bought that, I had I was I had the seeds of of enthusiasm for mar marathon spectating from my childhood in the Boston area, and you know, but I I'm. I, before we we moved recently, relocated. Um, I we've been in New York sixteen years, and that was sixteen marathons. We were on Fifth Avenue at sort of mile twenty two ish, um, and you know I the you know the image of of the fireboats shooting off uh, at the beginning and the, the the of of the Staten Island and the bridge start and you know there's there's nothing more sort of I don't know, romantic. I, I you know, I, I'm all, I'm a Boston guy at heart, but God, I do love New York too. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never, you know, I'll never root for the Yankees, but I love, I love the, I love the New York Marathon, and I just, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able. There's, there's something so cool about just hitting every borough and sort of the tour, the grand tour through the city, um, and so. Yes, yeah, similar. Um, I, like I said, I, I moved here in 1997. So I've seen a lot of marathons and the, the, the spectating, the crowds, the support, the, you know, the people in costumes, the signs, the, you know, the, the, the people, the DJs, the dancing. I mean, it is, it's like everything at once. It's so much emotion and the, 
the way I feel like almost everyone spectating gets when they make eye contact with a runner or they scream their name because it's written on their shirt, that, that feeling of supporting a stranger is so moving to me. Um, I just, I cannot wait. And I can't wait after all these years of living here to, to honor my city and my, my fellow New Yorkers by participating in this, um, not to mention doing it with Dave and Pete, which hasn't come up much, but Pete is my partner who took care of me after the surgery and he and I are running it together as well. So I just, I'm just chills. I'm my stomach. I'm, I'm just so, so excited not to mention all my track team members. I think there's 20 of us running. So it's just going to be the culmination of a lot. And I, I actually hope it's not just the culmination. I hope it's the beginning the beginning of something that I don't even I don't even know what that thing is yet, but we'll see. Um, well, Sarah, Kate, Dave, and Pete, we look forward to seeing you <laughs> all St- at the finish line. <laughs> and Stacy, we look forward yes. to seeing you all at the finish line of the New York City Marathon. Good luck with the rest of your training, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks to Michelob Ultra for supporting this episode of the podcast. Michelob Ultra is proud to be the official beer sponsor of the New York Roadrunners and the TCS New York City Marathon. There's no better way to celebrate the TCS New York City Marathon than with an ice-cold Michelob Ultra. Join us on race day in New York City at Ryan's Daughter, Murphy's Law American Trash, Bar Coastal, and Finnegan's Wake, or in Brooklyn at Charleston Bar, The Gibson, Lake Street, Turkey's Nest, Kilo Bravo, Propaganda Bar, and Irish Haven. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Drink responsibly. All right, runners. So your training tip of the week this week is we're getting so close to race day is finalize the details for marathon day now. Do this now. The race day is a marathon, but it's also a marathon tucked inside of a marathon, meaning there's a lot of preparation that goes into getting to the start line. And then once you're done the race, you still have to get your bag or connect with family or get home, whatever that means to you, you've got to get somewhere. So it's a big day and you have to plan for it now. A lot goes into planning the details. For example, have you considered if you're going to run with your phone or not? Are you going to have enough battery life? Where is your phone going to be on your body? Are you going to carry it? Uh, Do you need some disposable entertainment in Staten Island? Are you going to get bored easily? Do you need to bring a book or something like that? You need to be thinking of these things now. What is it that you need with you on race day throughout the day to make it the best experience possible? Another thing to consider, how are you getting home? Are you taking the subway? Do you need to buy a, a subway card now and be prepared for that? These are the little things that you can figure out today that make race day that much easier. And to bring this all together, to really tie in your organization, we really recommend writing yourself a schedule. And you're going to want to list the times that you have to be places, the anticipated travel time it's going to take to get there, and everything you need over the course of marathon weekend. And I'm saying weekend because it's not just that race day, it's everything leading into it, especially if you're doing the bag check option and you have to hand that bag off earlier than on race day. So runners, the best thing you can do for yourself in this two-week period is to be extremely organized, to know everything you need to know logistics-wise, and really uh, nail down the small things that have a big impact on race day. So figure out what makes your ideal race day, runners. Plan for it, write yourself a schedule, and good luck with this last, last few weeks of training. Thank you to Abbott and Michelob Ultra for supporting this episode. And thank you to Sarah Cade and David for sharing your story. 
Please subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Thank you to our team who helped make this show happen. Today's show was produced, edited, and mixed by John Phillips. Thank you so much for listening and good luck as you continue your journey to the TCS New York City Marathon. We'll see you next week for our final episode. Feel it in my body. Feel it in my feet.